Did you know that nearly 9 out of 10 home buyers say they'd use a buyer's agent when purchasing a home again? Buyer representation really matters when there's 111 to-dos. Visit Realtor.com slash Buyer Agent Toolkit and spread the word. Buyer agents are essential. I am very, very optimistic about this market. I just don't know where it's going. I don't know whether it's going to be a buyer's market or a seller's market. It's somewhat in limbo right now. I think as somebody who's gone through a number of these cycles like that, it's easier for me to go and to say to them, but you've got to hold on to that seller longer. They may not quite be ready to, to sell. So you've got to stay in touch. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where your host, Tracy Velt, Editorial Director of Real Trends, interviews the brightest minds in real estate. Each week, brokerage leaders, top agents, team leaders, and industry experts join Tracy to share trends, their secrets to success, and the lessons they learn navigating this ever-changing industry. Welcome to the Real Trending Podcast, where we speak to the brightest minds in real estate about leadership, business, trends, growth, and strategies. I'm your host, Tracy Velt. I am the Senior Director of Data and Content for HW Media, which includes HousingWire and Real Trends. Um, today, I'd like to welcome Tom Wilkins. He is the broker owner of Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate Wilkins and Associates in Pennsylvania. And he was also the very first Better Homes and Gardens affiliate. So welcome, Tom. Thank you very much, Tracy. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I was reading and, um, you know, I was reading that you have basically four generations of your family have been very influential in the Poconos. Um, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the legacy of your grandfather, Benjamin Wilkins, um, and your father, Morris B. Wilkins, Wilkins um, and how they kind of influenced your approach to business and real estate. Grandpa Benny was a tailor down on Lower Main Street in Stroudsburg and also played the stock market. So at the age of 10, I would sit in the back of the stock market. And if I could remember the quotes and go back and tell Grandpa Benny and Uncle Bobby what they were trading for, I'd make 25 cents. So that was my first introduction to the stock market, which I still play in there. Morris Wilkins uh, invented the heart-shaped bath. And of course, the honey, the Poconos were the honeymoon capital of the world there for a while until they invented uh, Orlando and uh, Jamaica and some of the other islands. And I just kind of went off on my own and uh, have basically been self-employed since I've been 19. I started out in uh, the leather business. I owned my own leather shop. And uh, our claim to fame was, if you remember the 1980 Olympics, they came out with cowboy hats on and I was the only one and had a Stetson franchise. So I sold cowboy hats all over the world to people all over the world. I'm good. Oh, actually, you know, my dad worked at those Olympics as a state trooper for New York at the Lake Placid Olympics. So I have a ton of pins that he collected while he was there. Um, and uh, we had some moon boots. We had a bunch of uh, moon boots. I, oh, my know. gosh. You're right. <laughs> Remember the yep. moon boots. Yes. Yeah. And they and my mom and dad got to see the famous hockey game. Um so so yeah. That was uh something. When we won that hockey game, 
I don't know how to explain it except the whole entire town lifted into the air. It was a feeling that I'll never, never forget. Well, I'm originally from Buffalo, so that's where we lived at the time. And um, he was a New York state trooper. So, Oh, yeah. yeah. I I met them all. I met all of them. (laughs) Every one of them. Because they all had cowboy hats. <laughs> exactly. I still have my dad's Stetson, actually. He passed away about <laughs> 20 years ago, but I have his Stetson from his uh, being a state trooper. So, so yeah. And then I just kind of moved over into the real estate side. And as an entrepreneur uh, at a very early uh, age, and we started Wilkins & Associates. Prior to Wilkins & Associates, I worked for Coldwell Banker and got to know all the people at Realogy through Coldwell Banker. And then we started our own business. I started my own business, uh, Wilkins & Associates Real Estate. And uh, literally, I forget where I heard it, but Better Homes and Gardens was opening, called up my friends at Realogy and said, guys, I, I don't know what to tell you, but I'll, I'll take this. They said, well, we're not quite ready to go. I said, I'll be there tomorrow at 10 in the morning. And when I went in, there was a whole, that's where I met Sherry Chris. There was a whole row of people on the other side like that. And it was myself and my, my daughter. And they were telling us about it and everything else. And I finally hit my hand on the table and said, we'll take it about halfway through. Well, everyone looked at one another saying, we, we don't even have a franchise agreement ready like that. So, yeah, we were the first ones. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Um, and I noticed that Tom Jr., uh, your son, is is also part of the, uh, I think he's part of your real estate company, correct? He he was for a certain period of time. And, and the, the real estate and working for dad just wasn't quite what he wanted. So he went off on uh, on his own. But I have another son uh, who's 13 years old. And he's one that's going to go somewhere, somewhere big. And I'm not quite sure where he's going to go. Yeah. So what are you looking at? Uh, I know this wasn't a question on there, but, you know, since your son isn't involved in real estate and then your other's 13. So how, what does your succession planning look like? Are you working on a succession plan or um, is that something you're looking to do or? Well, my, my wife is my partner. And certainly it would just go on to uh, my wife and have not thought about that only because I just, the only thing I know how to do is work. So right now, most of the business is really being handled by my wife, who is a little bit more online. She successfully took our whole brokerage company and put it online with uh, agreements of sale and listing uh, agreements and that type of a thing. And then just recently, we own a management company as well. uh, And that is now all online. Yeah. Um, So how long have you been in um, in the property management side? About 25 years. Okay. Is that a big um, source of income for you? Uh, How many doors do you manage? Uh, We manage about 5,000 doors. Uh, oh, wow. all, all told like that. Yeah. So it, it's pretty good. Um, the pandemic was both good and bad to us. We had a turnover of staff, which was a blessing in disguise because I don't think my wife, Christine Wilkins, would have ever been able to take it as automated as it is now. 
And of course, now everybody makes their payments online and such like that. So the pandemic was somewhat of a uh, blessing in there to, to do. Yeah, and that's um, that's a question I'm getting asked a lot by um, brokers who are looking for, obviously there's margin compression and they're looking for a steady source of income through property management, um, which of course isn't doesn't happen overnight. Well, do you have any advice or tips or lessons learned that you could share in building out your property management division? It sounds like you have a pretty successful one. We, we do. Um, it's a lot of hard work. Once you get it set up, it's fairly good. It, it's basically like any other business providing customer service and, and such. We do a lot of community work. So our communities, I might have 10 houses to 700 houses in there on both sides. And I think if you also know how to generate little bits of income, they all add up by the end of the month. In Pennsylvania, we have resale certificates, first rights of refusal, and some other things that the real money and property management comes from those fees as opposed to the actual management fee. Oh, that's interesting. Um, Do you have, you know, how do you automate or how are you handling the service and the maintenance side of it? Because I think that's the biggest bugaboo for a lot of brokers um, who are forming their own property management companies or a division of their brokerage is going to be property management. We use, for lack of a better word, 98% third-party people. So we have our electrician, we've got our plumber, we've got our other ones, and these guys have worked for us for 25 uh, years. And what we do is we charge an admin fee onto the top of that. So it's it's disclosed right from the very beginning like that, what what it's going to be. And that profit spread can be anywhere from about... 15 to maybe 18 percent. Okay. And how do you handle sales? So if you, um, I assume that your property managers or manager, I don't know how many you have, don't handle the sale of the property. How do you work that? Uh, That's a very interesting question. And that's one of the things where I said, you kind of have to set it up into there. What happens is all of the property managers are the front line to find out that Tracy and her family are moving because you're uh, transferred to another job. They then will say, would you like one of our realtors from Better Home and Gardens to come out and give you an estimate? If that agent lists the house and sells the house, there's a company in between called Get Connected. So if I go to Tracy, the realtor, and say it's a get connected, then they'll know there's a 25% referral fee. That 25% goes in to get connected. And then at that particular junction from that company, we're able to pay the property manager. So there's a financial incentive for the property manager to be involved and to forward us that lead. Okay. And so your property management, is it set up as a separate company? Very much so. Yeah. There's a, parent, there's a parent that owns everything. Right. But yeah, they're totally different. And Tracy, that's another good good question. We actually only came out of the closet that because we used to be very quiet that we owned a real estate company. We used to be very quiet. We owned a management company. We came out uh, to the general public uh, probably about eight years ago. 
and said, look, we're a real estate company. We're a, a management company. And it worked out fine. There wasn't a problem. So that homeowner would ask their property manager, hey, could you have somebody from Better Home and Gardens come out? Yeah, I know there's always that decision. Do you make it a division of your brokerage or do you set it up as a separate company? It seems to me, and I'm no expert in this, but from the people I've talked to, it seems like the better decision is to set it up as a different company. Um, like you said, within a parent company. Um, yeah. that That's worked best for us as a separate company. Yeah. And what about your relocation services? Um, our relocation services, we have a young lady by the name of Tony Jones, and Tony's been with us for a little over 20 years now. Uh, she handles the, the relo business. We don't do a lot of referrals out, it, it seems, but that that's something we should start concentrating on it again. Yeah, I've actually never been to the Poconos, although my son went to Bucknell, so we would see all the signs whenever we would go visit him. Um, I would love to to see it because I've heard just the the rich history of it, and um, you know, I've heard it's beautiful there too. Um, and I want to kind of dig into you know your advice or uh, you know strategies for kind of building a lasting legacy in your community. It's more than just being a good business person um, or, you know, having a company for a long time. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what you're doing and how you're establishing yourself in the in the fabric of the community and, and how you've built that lasting legacy through several generations in different businesses. Uh, that's another very, very good question. We're extremely involved in the community through the different nonprofits from the, the different, there's the Elks Club, uh, I'm a Mason, uh, different organizations that we're a part of, uh, Pocono Heritage, all the different places like that, that not only do we actively participate financially, we'll go to all of the dinners. We know all of the people there. And I think that that's really given us the depth. In today's real estate market, Tracy, most of the brokers are not local. They're, they're out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, or Dayton, Ohio, or they don't even know where their broker is like that. So we're really a dying breed of a traditional broker, which we've now coined ourselves as a hybrid broker because we're not 100% and we're not a traditional anymore. We're a hybrid in, in that type of a thing. So that's where we wanted to be. And you're talking about your compensation model is hybrid? Uh, for lack of a better word, yes, that's correct. And how many agents do you have right now? Uh, we have about 50 right now. We're typically used okay. to running with about 100. It's what we like to be. That's about the, the size of it. We went from 14 offices to one office. So our one office, uh, some of our agents are, are a good distance away because the Pocono Mountains actually consist of five different counties. So how has that worked? Because I know a lot of brokers struggle with that. They want to reduce their operating costs by closing some offices, but they might have one super high producing agent who uses an office and that's the only person who uses this office. Um, and so they're afraid to close it because of that. Uh, how, how, what was your strategy in that? And how did you, how did you announce that to agents? How did you work through all of that? 
we tried it about 10 years ago and failed miserably. That's when we were going to have the little bar and you didn't have a desk anymore and you can bring the picture of your cousin in, but you have to take it home at night. So we failed miserably when we first did it. And then when we did it again as technology is what really allowed us to be able to uh, to do that. And then the, the second time that we tried, it worked out fine. There wasn't any problem at all. And do you find that you, you have, I mean, obviously COVID helped with that transition as well because people got used to not coming into the office. Have you seen a, a lot more uh, people coming back to your office if they're closer? The short answer to that is no. Okay. Uh, we, we haven't. But it, it's funny that you say that. My wife, who's my partner, can work well off-site without any sort of a problem. I'm old school and I, I need to be in my office. I, I can't work well at, at home or, you know, on the go where she just lives on the go in there, even though she maintains an office here, she works remotely. Okay. And how are you, how are you staying connected with your agents? What are you doing to stay connected with them as they're not coming into the office and they're kind of located over five um, counties? Probably two primary things. Number one, we have a, a monthly sales meeting, which is both remote and on Zoom. So I get to see them there. Um, as silly as it sounds, our one office was going out to dinner every Thursday night, all of the agents. And we were invited to it just the one time a couple of years ago. And we said, wow, this is a lot of fun. And it just grew out of nowhere where there could be 20 30 agents going to a restaurant every every Thursday night. If you can make it, you make it. If you don't, you don't. So we, we get to see them there. And also, we used to get to see them every Friday when we paid them. Every Wednesday and Friday, all of a sudden, I'd see Kathy. Hey, how have you been? Haven't seen you. No, 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 no. Do you have my check? And, and now with direct deposit, I don't even get that Friday anymore. And you know, you used to write on the back of the check, congratulations, good job, you know, nice sale. And we don't do that anymore because it's all direct deposit. Yeah. And it's interesting because real estate is all about relationships. I don't care how much technology you have or, um, you know, whatever is, is happening. It's the, it's the in-person meetings for with agents and consumers and with, with, you know, managers, brokers, and their agents. And, um, it gets more difficult as you go remote, maybe not for the agents with consumers because they are still, um, you know, really working one-on-one -on -one with them. So I just think it's, um, it is interesting. And I, I also have noticed that it's either a boutique, like your, I would consider your office kind of a boutique office or a huge office. Anyone in the middle is not going to survive. No. Without a doubt. Yeah. With, yeah. With, without a doubt. You are 110% right for sure. Yeah. Now, um, obviously, agents are frustrated with this market because it's not the booming market that it was during the pandemic. Um, and how are you keeping your agents motivated and producing and getting listings and reaching out to their sphere and doing the things that they're supposed to be doing to really get the business? It's, it's easier said than done. 
I did a tele television uh, uh, interview a, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I am very, very optimistic about this market. I just don't know where it's going. I don't know whether it's going to be a buyer's market or a seller's market. It's somewhat in limbo right now. I think as somebody who's gone through a number of these cycles like that, it's easier for me to go and to say the, to them, but you've got to hold on to that seller longer. They may not quite be ready to, to sell. So you've got to stay in, in touch. And we've always prided ourselves as a broker. We kind of take that along. So we're going to set up your recurring emails, which we call real-time data. We're going to do it for you, Tracy. Don't don't worry about it. You just give me the name and the email address, and I'll I'll take it from there because it ensures that it's done. You know, your agent is always, yep, I got to do that next week, and I'll get to it, and it never gets done. So we kind of take that out of their hands and have our uh, drip campaigns for buyers and sellers. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's always, you know, one of the questions at our recent conference that I went to was, I know I'm supposed to be reaching out to my sphere. I don't know what to say to them. Like, what do I say to them? <laughs> you know, because the old, you know, hey, do you have a friend who's ready to sell their home? It doesn't really work. You know, you're trying to build relationships. Do you have any agents who are like doing it really well? And, you know, what are they doing? And how, what are they saying? How are, what are they doing to reach out? Are they coffee invites or, you know, what are they doing? Well, I think, uh, I'll answer that in, in, in two ways. Number one, if you go back to one of your earlier questions, being involved in the community is a huge thing that you just don't build overnight. So right. our name recognition, the name Wilkins, uh, really resonates with somebody. Well, call Tom or call Christine or call somebody a better home and garden. So we've got that, which took 35 years to, to build. Some of the other, the more um, younger online agents uh, are, they're not really having a big problem with it. They're staying in touch with them. They've got their drip. They got there. So they're staying in touch with them. And I'm optimistic about the market. I just don't know which way it's going. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you've been through quite a few markets. You know, eventually it's going to change. Um, so you know, it's just a matter of waiting it out and uh, really being keeping in touch with with the people in your community, right? I mean, yeah. And the other the other thing um, about it is what I've been telling people: it's not really the Pocono real estate market; it's the world. I'm not quite sure where what direction the world is going into, and that will probably determine much more than what the interest rate is or something of that nature is what's happening on the world market and which way are we going. Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, CEO at HW Media. I invited Brendan Ath to give you a little more detail on HousingWire Annual. This is HousingWire's mortgage-focused event that covers everything in mortgage finance from origination, servicing, secondary markets, and partnerships with real estate, title, and valuation professionals. You have people like Frank Martell, the CEO of Loan Depot, our own Logan Motoshami, lead analyst over at Housing Wire, Sandra Thompson, 
FHFA director, Nathan Slinkham, who's the CEO of Thrive Mortgage. These executives are taking the stage. What are they talking about that actually applies to you? So they're addressing how are they staying profitable in this business? How are they creating communication flows from the top down and making sure that everyone through the company is driving that business forward? How are they making the tough decisions? It's a tougher market, but even though it's a tougher market, there's still people who are growing. So how are they winning that market share and what does their mindset have to do with that? And so two of the big buzzwords that we use are actionable items and insights and walking away, but that is something we actually took and then went a level deeper to make sure we're, we're creating those opportunities for you guys, whether it's on the pickleball court or staying after in the session to chat with these leaders at these companies. It's the people you want to be in the room with. You want to be surrounded by people who are growing because when I leave a conference, it's that energy that you want to take with you back to your business as you build out more strategy for 2024 and beyond. That's why we call it the starting line, right? You're, you're starting your business for the future. So that's where I would kind of touch on to start with. If you want to learn more about Housing Wire Annual, visit housingwireannual.com. Or if you're on Housing Wire, you can click the events tab and see all of our events, Housing Wire Annual included. This event is October 10th through 12th in Austin, Texas. We're bringing you a special promo. I'm not even gonna tell you what it is on air right now. Um, you have to DM me. So you can hit me up on LinkedIn, Clayton Collins, CEO of HW Media, easy to find, or on Instagram at Housing Clayton. So check us out, join us at Housing Wire Annual. Thank you, see you in Austin. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your aha moment. You've been in, in business for a long time. Was there, and, and I'm sure you've had multiple aha moments, most entrepreneurs and leaders have. Is there one that sticks out that um, kind of really inspired you or caused you to change something, you know, just your aha moment? Yeah, I, I think it was... Um after the 1980 Olympics and, and the Western wear was going down, sold my businesses, had no job and needed to get into something. And there was a variety of different industries that I could have gotten into, could have sold insurance, could have sold stock, could have done stayed in the hospitality business. And the reason I chose real estate is that everybody lives in a house, right? You live in a house, Tracy. So at that point, at some point, sometime, Tracy's going to buy, sell, rent, lease, trade that home that you're in. And that's what got me into, into real estate. I'm a unique individual based on the fact that I'm a very, very good salesperson. I don't list and sell. All I do is run the company, but I'm very good at sales, but I enjoy the administrative side of it. So I'm able to come up with a lot of those little ahas almost every day. We try to come up with something. Yeah. Now, I mean, gosh, your Western wear would have been uh, killing it now. That's every, what everybody wears to all the, at least the SEC uh, football games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. All, it all goes around in a circle. Yep. Absolutely. Um, where do you find inspiration or motivation? Do you have any authors that you really like, any leadership experts that you follow, coaches, podcasts, um, you know, any, anyone in your community, anybody you look to find inspiration, motivation from? My wife. Okay. And how does she, how does she inspire you and motivate you? I'm 70. My wife is 52. And I watch the way she works and say, I remember doing that because at six o'clock in the morning, she's already on her computer and at nine o'clock at night on, on her computer. So I, I think that's the inspiration that, that 
gets me going. And I think that would go back to your question with the succession plan as, as well. I can't work. I used to start my morning at four in the morning and work till 10 o'clock at night. I can't do that any anymore. But I see her doing that and coming up with more of the ideas. So I don't get the aha as much as um, I do the instituting of the aha moment that she has. Well, let's do it this way. Okay. Hadn't <laughs> thought of that. And, yeah. and, and we'll do that. So. Yeah. It's really breathing a different, you know, I don't want to say new life, but a different perspective into the business with different generations of leaders. You have a whole, you have the experience and I mean, she has a lot of experience as well. So it's really interesting um, that you can innovate and, and kind of keep moving forward and with different perspectives. Yes. It, it, it's, we're a good team. It, it works out really yeah. well. And um, my last question is just what's next um, for your company? Need to probably go back. I think it's a good opportunity for brokers to um, rebuild their business. Uh, check the fences out on the back 40. Are they all still good? Maybe they need to be pounded in again. We did, and you brought it up with uh, the Relos. We had what was called our independent family of home buying services, which was nothing more than one-stop shopping. But it's kind of taken a back seat with everything else, and we know that it worked like that. So we need to get back to the basics, back to the basics, and get out that manual that we had on on the independent family. We're a, we're a licensed insurance company place. Our Relo is is a good thing. Uh, get connected, which acts as the referral company going through. All of those little things are really what got us to where we are today. And we just need to go back and revisit them. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I've been in um, writing about real estate. I worked at the association here in Florida since, gosh, the early 90s. Um, and I remember when that one-stop shopping became the phrase of all real estate, you know, and it kind of disappeared for a little while. And it's definitely back. At Is this it point. really? Oh, yeah, because, I mean, you can't survive on just real estate anymore with the margin compression. You have to, and consumers are asking for it as well, you have to diversify your your company and, and bring in other lines of uh, streams of income. So, yeah. Yeah, then, then my thinking isn't that far off. Nope. It's a matter of testing it all off. And we didn't want to call it one-stop shopping, so we called it our independent family. And we need to bring that back up. And you gave me the inspiration to make sure it works. Oh, well, Tom, thank you so much for sharing your perspective um, in, on the real estate industry and your company. Uh, we really enjoyed talking to you uh, for the Real Trending Podcast. Stay safe. Thank you for listening to Real Trending. If you haven't already, we'd love it if you'd take a minute to rate the show or leave a comment. And we will see you next week with more news and insights.